0: This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor, but for Paul. I think I've used that one before, Paul. I'm sorry about that. I'm oh, that's not very, okay. Not very well prepared today. You'd think <laughs> I was the one who had a tornado go through his yard, but uh, right. that's you. <laughs> that was me. Yeah,
1: it's been quite a week. Um, people on Twitter might have seen. I posted a couple pictures. We definitely had an interesting Thursday with a big tornado tearing through Highlands Ranch where I live, but um, we
0: were lucky. Lots I mean, of, classic, right? A classic Colorado tornado, just, just <laughs> like every yeah, year.
1: Exactly, just like every <laughs> year. Yeah, very bizarre. Uh, but yeah, all is well. Everybody's safe. Nobody actually was injured at all in the tornado, which is good. But Oh, that is good. All kinds That's of really good. chaos. Fences and trees and, you know, everything else. A yeah. lot of cleanup, but yeah, it's nice to get a break from all the chainsawing and pushing fences back up and talk books.
0: Oh, dang it. Well, oh, no. I'm sorry about that, but uh, yes, we are here for happier discussions about the, you know, what we've got going on and what's coming around the bend. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited. We're going to talk about the our, our most anticipated releases for the last half of 2023. It's almost July, uh-huh. and there are so many. I asked this question on Twitter. I, I I can't list all the books that we received um, mention of because there were uh, so many, it would become just, you know, you might as well uh, go and just start reading titles at a bookstore. There were so many that looked so good. This was I very know. hard to narrow down. I um, know. I
1: followed your, when you tweeted that out, I was like, people were, you know, quote tweeting it with theirs or they were commenting below and I was all the ones that I was looking forward to were listed. Plus there was, a bunch of other ones that I well, have on my radar. It's amazing how much stuff, I don't know if it's like a post COVID surge or if this is just one of those sweet periods where, you know, it yeah. just happens naturally.
0: Well, one of the reasons I wanted, you know, it's fun to do our most anticipated books of the year at the start of the year, but we decided this time to just do for the first half of the year. Part of the reason for that is the second half of the year is always so good. It's true, and I don't even know what those books are necessarily at the first part of the year. You know, back in December when we sit down to record, uh, I don't know what's coming out the next November, or December, and you know, the 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 fall is usually a really big time. Doesn't mean that great, and even some of the best books of the year, or even the best book of the year, isn't published in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like this is the time period where, especially September and October. There's so many books that come out from you know your favorite authors <laughs> yeah. because that's when they do really well. Apparently, <laughs> I know. Like I didn't love fall enough. They add that little cherry <laughs> on top too. This could be our fall reading episode. Just really in advance because I'm, I'm sure we'll be you know going through a lot of these books in the fall. But yeah, we'll, we'll save be. something like that for later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before we get there, though, we want to remind everybody of our. Mooks and Gripes Summer Book Club. We are going to be reading The Dry Heart by Natalia Ginsberg. And I want to do a giveaway. We want to send somebody a copy of that book. Uh, We will draw the winner on our next episode. So that's in two weeks. We plan to be recording that episode on Saturday, July 8th. So here's what I want folks to do who are interested in getting a copy of The Dry Heart. And this can go worldwide. I don't, you know, I'll figure out a way to get it to you. Um, But if you could send uh, me an email, uh, mooksandgripes at gmail.com, just saying, you know, giveaway entry and tell me that you'd be interested in entering the giveaway for The Dry Heart by Natalia Ginsberg. We will draw our winner on July 8th in the morning when we sit down to record our next episode. That particular episode of The Dry Heart will be released on July 27th. And we do have confirmation. We've got a couple of great guests, uh, Kim McNeil and Mervé Emery uh, are going to be joining us to discuss that book. And if you can get this book in advance of that, you should be able to read it in a day or two mm-hmm. <laughs> or just to yeah. sit down uh, so that when you listen to that episode, you can, you can dive right in and be part of that. But that's for, for one listener. We're excited to send out a copy. Just send an email saying you'd like to enter. And uh you know, we need to be more creative with these email with these giveaways, but for this one I thought let's just make it easy. I want pl- people to feel like they can enter and and get this book uh ASAP. So Yeah. That's no, gonna be so much
1: fun. I think a lot of people are excited. You know, Ginsburg is such a big um is so well loved among so many people, and I think that this is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm hoping we'll get a lot of participation and like you said, to have not one but two brilliant yeah. guests for that episode is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. I'm
0: excited as well. That'll be fun. Have you started it yet? Did you read it? I have not yet. No, okay. I was going to okay. no,
1: yeah, sure. read it, you know, close enough where it was very fresh was my thought yeah. process. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you've good, good read call. it before and you're rereading, right? Yes. And I haven't started a reread for similar reasons, you mm-hmm. know, we'll get her done when that happens. Yeah. But, you know, before we get to our uh, most anticipated releases um, and after reminding folks of the book club and that giveaway have a question for you, Paul. Okay. What have you been reading? <laughs> yeah, I thought you might ask me that.
1: Um, so I've been reading a few different things, as usual. Um, one of them is a book that I know you mentioned a while back, and I believe you started it, and I don't know that I ever heard whether or not you finished it, but it is uh, David oh, Always Grand's... the pressure. Always the pressure. Yeah, exactly. I have to put the pressure on you. No, David Grand's The Wager, A Tale of mm-hmm. Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder. Um, I have been listening to that on audio because as I've said before, some of those narrative non-fictions for me work really well as audio books and man, it's really been good. Not surprisingly, cause I've read his two other ones as well, but he's just so good at weaving in, you know, historical facts and, and the details you need, but making it like a page turner, you know, what a, what an amazing story that one is and, oh, anytime you're having a bad day, you know, with this, like this tornado thing or something like that. I'm like, you're hearing about these people that are like, you know, stranded on these islands and like starving, wasting away, wasting away. <laughs> and they're, you know, freezing to death and all these things. It definitely puts things in perspective, but yeah, that's a really, really good book. Did you end up reading any more of it or is that one you're still kind of chipping away at? Or?
0: So I started that right before my Parents both had their independent of each other, but simultaneous in terms of timing, uh, health scare. Yeah, and it kind of derailed me. That, but I was enjoying it so much, I ended up buying it for my dad. They're both doing great. They went on, uh, they went like camping this weekend. By oh. the way, so awesome, love it. Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so I bought it for my dad for Father's Day because I am going to get to it, and I think I'll read it as he's kind of going through it now. Oh, that's I, awesome. But I thought it was excellent. I know I'm going to love it. Uh, so I've never had any any doubts that I would get to it once I'd kind of gotten, you know, rearranged. And and then to be able to do it with him, I thought that would be fun. So looking yeah. forward to it.
1: Great. Yeah. So I've really been enjoying that. I've, I've got maybe, you know, I, I'm very nearly done. I imagine I'll finish up in the next day or two, but it's been really good. I've also been chipping away at, uh, you know, not surprising to anyone, my Thomas Mann, my mm-hmm. year long, you know, and that's been really fun. And just a reminder, I'm in a, a reading group with, Brad Bigelow from Neglected Books, along with Dorian Stuber, Ben O'Connell, Tom from Weathering Expectations, and a few others. So we meet once a month and, and just chat about the next section that we've read. So it's weird. I'm like almost 800 pages into this book and you're just about halfway through. With the whole book <laughs> it's not something that you usually run across you know usually when you're getting to 800 pages you're either finished it long ago or you know you're, you're on literally... your third reread exactly <laughs> but i won't say that it's reached the level of magic mountain for me yet but it's really good it's it's a fascinating book it's so getting yeah, I'm...
0: beyond the chore i feel like for a while it you maybe you maybe not regretted, but we're like, Ooh, did I do the right thing here? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's daunting
1: to read a book that big. And, and there's different sections for different reasons that are harder than others to to work their way through. Some of them like philosophically are just tough going. They're still really good. And then there was a section fairly recently that we read. And I think Brad called it like the, the tourism part of the book or something like that, where he's basically just detailing, you know, different parts of, of Egypt and kind of just talking about the people he meets. And it was still interesting, but it was, you know, maybe not as compelling as other parts, but <laughs> all that said, it's it's been a really good experience and I'm enjoying it so far. Um, and then another one that I'll just touch on briefly because we are going to be talking a lot more about him pretty soon, is I was at the Boulder Bookstore a while back and picked up I, I messaged you and said, Oh, they have Javier Maria's on sale. Uh-huh. It's the Berta Isla, you know, what do you think? And you said, Pick it up right away. So <laughs> not only did I buy it, but I have been reading it. Um and so, like I said, I know we're going to be talking about him in a future episode, so I won't dig too much into it. But it's just so far very good. Um, t- touching on you know these two young people and uh, Thomas Nevison in mm-hmm. particular, at least the first part of it, despite the name of the book, it, it seems more focused on him. Um, and it's just very intriguing. There's kind of some spy elements and some some mystery, some crime stuff going on. Which is fun. But then there's also, as you would expect from Marius, just some beautiful writing. So I thought I would just read a quick passage. Um, this is not the spy part. This is a passage that's just showing to the very end he had that amazing ability to just write these beautiful passages. It says Nothing has any weight if it lacks mystery, a surrounding mist. And we are heading towards a reality bereft of shadows, bereft almost of light and shade. Everything and anything known is destined to become rapidly swallowed up and trivialized and so to lack any real influence. Anything that is visible, a spectacle in the public domain, can never create change. Contrary to what people think, the shape of the universe hasn't changed one bit just because, a couple of years ago, two astronauts walked on the moon. ...functioning and configuration of the universe. They even broadcast the event on television, which is still further proof of its complete irrelevance. The truly decisive events are never shown or even described or not at the time they happen. Instead, they're always kept hidden away, wrapped in silence, at least for a very long time. At most, we learn about them when they're no longer of any interest, when they already belong to the remote past and people don't care about the past. They think it doesn't affect them and can't be changed. And in that respect, they're right. (laughs) And it goes on and on like that, but I just love, he has those interjections that are just these long meandering, you know, many semicolons and, you know, that particular one was in a conversation. So that was actually a quote from one of the characters who was talking to Thomas Nevison. but um, I don't know. It's just, he's such a fascinating writer, his ability to propel you forward with these really fascinating plots and mysteries, but then to have these little asides that get you, you know, kind of scratching your head and thinking as well. So yeah, like I said, I won't go too much more because I'm sure we'll have a very long, fruitful conversation about him in our author episode that's coming up, but thank you for the recommendation and makes me look forward to it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's exciting, I'm glad you're enjoying it, yeah.
1: what about you? What have you been reading
0: on my end um I think i i you you saw I posted on Instagram and on Twitter yesterday when I got home from holiday I had a few packages of books and each one of them I was like, I could just stop whatever I'm doing and, and sit down and read this one now i've I, they're each very exciting. I got uh Claudia Piñero's a little luck. Uh, translated by Francis Riddle. That's coming out from Charco Press here in just a couple of weeks. Um, I got Helen Garner's The Children's Bach. This is an older novel um, from a great Australian author. Uh, I think it was published in the United States, you know, decades ago, but it's coming back out from Pantheon in October, and I'm excited about it. Uh, I also got an early sneak peek, you know, uh, galley of uh, Percival Everett's James, I'm telling you, when I saw that this was coming and what it was about, I thought this could be one of the masterpieces of uh, 21st century literature. I don't know yet; I haven't started it, but I'm excited about this one. But it doesn't come out until uh, next year in March. So, um, and that's from uh, Double Day, and you know. But I- I'm just excited about all of them. But the one coming out the soonest, the one that uh, will be out uh, like a week after this episode goes up is Kate Zambrino's The Lightroom on Art and Care. This is from Riverhead Books. Sent me a nice little note with it. And I I, I just sat down and started it last night and just kept reading. It's so good. It's just a a nice follow-up from Drifts uh, where she's talking about, you know, being pregnant with her first child. Um, Here she's got two. And it's uh, during the pandemic. We're in late 2020. And she's talking about... Uh, raising her children, one of them an infant and the other one, you know, three or four years old at this particular time and place. And I, I like things like this. This will sound familiar to you, I'm sure as a as a father, you know, we get a little bit of this, if not that to the same extent, but um, it is it is difficult to say how I am feeling. I don't have time to think about myself but with the demands of teaching at home because she's a professor, um, which started up again only weeks after the baby's birth. And with the demands of the little ones, at first it is a labor walking from the car to the park through the bridge, through the bridge, past the great trees, the boat house, up the hill, past the waterfall, into the nether mead. I carry the baby awkwardly in the carrier, having no muscle memory for it. It hurts my body carrying her. I go slowly; everything is slow. After these Tuesday mornings, one of my two days off from teaching during the week, I lie on the couch nursing the baby all day. My chest feels tight and painful. Is it from carrying the baby or holding her on my chest during the day as she sleeps? Am I dehydrated or not getting enough calories after breastfeeding all day and night? I don't know, <laughs> um, but it isn't just about that. It's also about the seasons and um, you know having a having a child who's being raised when everybody that they see outside the home is wearing a mask and trying to. Uh, keep all that, but she ta- also talks about books she is reading. She's reading um, Territory of, of Light, uh, the the book by Yuko Shishima. And as she kind of has those moments where she's alone in the middle of the night feeding her baby, it's just really well done. It's, it's interesting that I can just sit down and kind of read someone's not stream of consciousness, but very... Um, you know, free flowing thoughts and all of that and be so captivated, but Mm. she's, she's excellent. And I can't wait to keep on going with this one. It's, it's really, really good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited for that one. And I've seen a few people talking about it, you know, that got early copies. And as we've said many times, I thought Drifts was absolutely amazing. And to hear that this one is at least, you know, I don't know if it's technically connected, but at least in that same vein makes me even more excited to read it. It sounds wonderful.
0: Yeah, I think you will appreciate it. You're the one yeah. who pointed out her drifts to me, you know, back yeah. in one of our earliest episodes, it feels like. You yeah, were, I think it you was. Were, you were rereading it, and mm. I thought, well, I don't, I haven't read that one yet. I better get on that. And yeah, I've been delighted ever since. Yeah, so <laughs> that's great. And
1: like you said, she's one of those that, send you down so many different rabbit trails, you know, assuming this one is similar to other ones, Mm -hmm. just new authors to read, new books to find new films, you know, all that stuff, new artists to explore. So not only is the book itself wonderful, but it also is one of those that seems like it gives you a few gifts along the
0: way as well. Yeah. I'll, I assume you'll be, uh, reading it, um, pretty soon. Yeah, Absolutely. I think you'll you should. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. It's very high on my radar. Sounds wonderful. Um, not on, but but not on your list. I didn't spoil anything. Then with you those, did not. No. Oh, okay. I, I figured that one might come up elsewhere, so I did not include it. Yes. That's the thing. We kind of think about this, and what is Paul likely to bring up that I, I don't know. need to? I don't need to waste a spot on. We have not talked about our lists with each other. Other than there were three books that I've brought up already on the podcast. Um, I even think I brought them each up back in our uh, 2023 preview. Uh, I cheated and said, these are these are some great ones coming out in the fall, but we won't be talking about them today. <laughs> right. or Or something along those lines. But I've since even gotten copies and have been reading them. Uh, with a uh, just as much delight, you know, it, it, I love them. It's uh, The Vastor Wilds by Lauren Groff that comes out September twelfth from Riverhead. Uh, the Maniac by Benjamin Labatut comes out October third from Penguin Press. Um, both just fantastic, and one that I have have a copy of, but I have not started yet uh, is Tessa Hadley's After the Funeral and Other Stories that comes out July eleventh from Knopf. I've probably read most of the stories um, mm-hmm. in it. And, you know, when they were first published in like the New Yorker and such, Uh, but I love her books. Those were three that I brought up. I just, they would be on my list, but I already brought them up. And so I thought, well, I'll probably be talking about them when they come out anyway. Let's, let's focus on ones that I don't think I have brought up yet as we go through the rest of the day. Yeah. So
1: it's a good way to do it. And I'm sure there'll be a few more of those sprinkled in, either mm-hmm. that I realize as I'm talking about it that we already mentioned it before, or yeah. We're known for cheating. I'll try not to kill you too much on the uh show notes, but I'm kill sure Kill
0: me that, too much. Kill yeah, me, but not a too little, much. Just a little. <laughs> well, that's okay. It's exciting. <laughs> I um, know. It's hard not did, to talk about them all. We did try to to narrow this down just a little bit because we recognize that just coming in here and listing a thousand books doesn't really do much good. I mean, we can list books as we're talking about just, Oh, I'm so excited for this book to come out. But when we're really talking about why we're excited about a certain book, um, I wanted the time to breathe. So I only picked yeah. 37. Just <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. See, that's only just half kidding. as many as I picked. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to try to narrow my list to five. I was trying so hard. And I finally wrote Paul and said, Paul, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I have um either seven or eight I can't I can't see you right now. I can't count while I'm talking. I think I have seven. I think I have seven here on this list. Maybe we're gonna talk about a few of the same ones. I don't know, but I don't know either. I think we should just dig in and I get agree. get started. I agree, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I may have about the same number, but why don't I let you kick it off just right. in case you have a couple extras. Well, let me mention one that I'm curious if it's on your list. Cause again, this is an author and book that I really kind of first got interested in because of your, uh, imprimatur, you know, your recommendation. Um, and this is the upcoming September 4th publication of Olga Ravens, my work translated by Sophie Hersey Smith and Jennifer Russell and being published by new directions. It, That was not one that I, I, it was one I was going to mention. It was not
1: one of the main ones that I was going to pick up. (laughs) This is one where we probably overthink it. And I was like, Trevor might bring that up. So I won't bring it up. We have to make sure none of those slip through the cracks, but yes, she is absolutely amazing. Like we said, the employees (laughs) was such a haunting, bizarre novel that Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to explore more of her stuff. That, That sounds really good.
0: Well, and she had a story in the New Yorker a month or two ago mm-hmm. that is—I don't think it's a an excerpt from this—but my work is about motherhood, and that story in the the New Yorker was also on motherhood or about a woman delivering her child anyway at a certain hospital, and it's kind of a a weird, uh, um, uh, absurdist in, in a way kind of mm-hmm. story. I really enjoyed it, so I'm very excited for. Uh, my work. Um, It is a lot longer than the employees. This, this one I think is showing up to be over 400 pages. Oh, wow. Quite a bit, but let me give you their blurb. It says after giving birth, Anna is utterly lost. She and her family move to the unfamiliar snowy city of Stockholm. Anxiety threatens to completely engulf the new mother who obsessively devours online news and compulsively buys clothes. She can't afford to avoid sinking deeper into her depression, Anna forces herself to read and write. My work is a novel about the unique and fundamental experience of giving birth, mixing different literary forms, like fiction, essay, poetry, memoir, and letters, to explore the relationship between motherhood, work, individuality, and literature. And, you know, as I read that, it's, I, I don't know why these are so appealing or interesting now, but that that's... Kate Zambrino there too yep. a lot of those topics you know we're in drifts and are are definitely in the Lightroom. uh but I'm very I, I assume <laughs> Olga Ravin will, will have a lot of a lot of strange stuff going on too but maybe not maybe it's more straightforward than her other work but it is yeah. uh it is one that I'm excited about and it came up a lot from folks on Twitter mm-hmm
1: And I'll just add a little plug. I follow her on Instagram and she doesn't post too often, but talk about a fascinating mind. She just, her posts are often as bizarre and intriguing as her book was like, she'll have all kinds of art and different things that um, I just find fascinating. So if anybody's interested, I would also recommend just following her on, uh, I know she's on Instagram. She may be on other parts of social media, but yeah, that book does sound wonderful. And when you mentioned Kate Zambrino, I had the same thought. I mean, I'll, transitioned that into one that I don't know. We've already talked about this one a little bit and it may be on your list, but The Long Form by Kate Briggs um, is coming out from the Dorothy Project on October 3rd. I know it's been out. I think Fitzcarraldo had it published earlier, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so.
1: But it ties right into that similar theme. Um, This is her debut novel. You know, she wrote this little art, which so many of us read and loved, which was her experiences as a translator and talking about kind of the art of translation, but also kind of the science and what it does to your mind. And it's an absolutely wonderful book, but this is her debut novel and it's the story of a young mother, Helen, who's awake with her baby, it says, and together they're making through a morning routine that is in one sense, entirely ordinary, resting, feeding, pacing. And yet it says such everyday acts take on epic scope, thoughts and objects made newly alive in the light of their shared attention. And then it starts bringing in literature again. So we've got the motherhood literature connection. Then the rhythm of their morning is interrupted. A delivery person arrives with a used copy of Fielding's The History of Tom Jones, which Helen has ordered online. She begins to read and attention shifts. As their day unfolds, the intimate space Helen shares with her baby becomes entwined with Fielding's novel, with other books and ideas, and with questions about class and privilege, house and caregiving housing and caregiving and the support structures that underline durational forms of codependency both social and artistic. So like you said these these novels or and these books that are coming out right now that are about motherhood and art, you know, there's definitely kind of a theme that's connecting a lot of these right mm-hmm. now and I just I absolutely love it. I find it so fascinating. So I know that some people have already read that one and others, you know, are highly anticipating it like me, but I'm really looking forward to that one and as always project their books are just beautiful on top of everything else the sneak previews i've seen of that one look gorgeous so
0: yeah i i that one also came up a lot on twitter Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. two that i know people are very excited about and i certainly am am as well i still need to read um kate briggs for the first time yeah Uh, i couldn't remember
1: uh, if you dipped into this little art but yeah i think you would absolutely mm -hmm. love it
0: No, I'm, I'll, I will definitely get there for sure (laughs) Yeah, because I'm going to read the long form. I'm excited about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. You want my next one? Let's hear it. Well, let's go from these, these authors to someone who has won the Nobel, but probably often would deserve uh, some criticism for the way he, he has female characters in his books. Um, uh this is JM Cutsey's mm-hmm. the pole that comes out uh later this year it comes out on September 19th from Live Right. and i'm i'm a little bit curious about this one uh i'm i'm always excited about Kutzee's work uh it's complicated it's strange and uh, it, but so readable as well i find that he's easy to all of a sudden sit down and also, you've read 50 pages and mm-hmm. didn't feel like it at all um, but this is what the, the blurb says from uh, Live Right. It says, exacting yet maddeningly unpredictable, J.M. Cutsi's The Pole tells the story of Witold Walczykitz, uh, <laughs> a vigorous, extravagantly white-haired Polish pianist who becomes infatuated with Beatrice, uh, a, style, a stylish patron of the arts after she helps organize his Barcelona concert. Although Beatrice is a, a married woman, is initially unimpressed by Vitold. She soon finds herself pursued and ineluctably swept into the world of the journeyman performer. As he sends her letters, extends countless invitations to travel, and even visits her husband's summer home in Majorca. their unlikely relationship blossoms, though it seems only on her terms. The, sp- the power struggle between them intensifies. Is it Beatrice who limits their passion by controlling her emotions, or is it Vitold, trying to force into, his, into life his dream of love? Uh, it says evocative of Joyce's *The Dead*. So, uh, I'm excited about this. the The reason I'm I'm not sure exactly what to expect is when I look at the the poll being published in uh, Australia by Text Publishing. They actually it's it's the poll and other stories. There are six stories in their edition of the poll, and I just don't know if. Uh, if that's because they are publishing more, their edition is, is 272 pages, where again, our the Live Right one is listed at 176. So I don't know if we're getting the full, all of the stories, or if the poll that's coming out in the US is just the poll, one story, or if we will get these other short stories. But I'm, I would like to, because it says the redoubtable character of Elizabeth Costello appears in four stories.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: That's so cool. I'd kind of like to like to get those sometime. Maybe they're part of some other plan for the U.S. market, though. I hope, or yeah, maybe enough. we just need to figure this out. Because again, I'm excited about the poll and excited about the story in the poll as it as it is. But I would like to get those other ones if they're if they're coming. But yeah, at any rate, JM Cutsey's the poll coming September 19th, and uh, always exciting when a new book from him is coming out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I've read Disgrace and Slow Man by him, and that's mm. the only two that I've read. But both of them, like you said, there's there's sometimes problems and in, in wrinkles and tough things to deal with. Mm-hmm. But there's no denying the power, the ability, and, and he he's willing to look at all kinds of you know subjects that are tough subjects, but also very intriguing. And he's a wonderful writer. So yeah, that's an exciting one. Mm. Um, well, I'll transition over to another pretty well-known author that I'm excited about. Um, Baumgartner by Paul Oster comes out October 17th by a random house. So I don't know. I have a, a complicated relationship with Paul Oster. Some of his books I find absolutely brilliant and fascinating. Other ones, yeah. you know, I could take them uh-huh. or leave them, but I guess in some ways that's to be expected from somebody who's trying new things like he does. That's one thing I do admire about him is he's always willing to, Stick his neck out and try things. So this one, um, I'll just read the blurb. It says Paul Oster's brilliant eighteenth novel opens with a scorched pot of water, which Sy Baumgartner, phenomo- how am I um, now? I'm going to have to struggle to say this, phenomenologist, noted author, and soon-to-be retired philosophy professor has just forgotten on the stove. Baumgartner's life has been defined by his deep, abiding love for his wife Anna, who was killed in a swimming accident nine years earlier. Now seventy-one. Baumgartner continues to struggle to live in her absence as the novel sinuously unfolds into spirals of memory and reminiscence, delineated in episodes spanning from 1968, when Cy and Anna met as broke students working and writing in New York, through their passionate relationship over the next 40 years, and back to Baumgartner's youth in Newark, and his Polish-born father's life as a dress shop owner and failed revolutionary. says, rich with compassion, wit, and Oster's keen eye for beauty, in the smallest, most transient moments of ordinary life. Baumgartner asks, why do we remember certain moments and forget others? In one of his most luminous works and his first novel since the Booker shortlisted Tour de Force 4321, Oster captures several lifetimes. So, one of the reasons I was so excited about this one is 4321. When I read that book, I thought it was absolutely amazing. It's by mm-hmm. far my favorite that I've read so far. And we'll bring up our buddy Thomas Hogglestock again. He, um, he's the one when uh, back on the readers, he was just raving about four, three, two, one. And he's the one that kind of inspired me to pick it back up after being kind of have having mixed feelings about some of Auster's other novels. So the fact that this is his first one since then, and it seems like it's touching on a lot of those same themes of, of memory and relationships. Um, I'm very intrigued to find out how that this one turns out.
0: So. You know, I thought I'd get into a Paul Auster uh, phase in my life. I read the New York trilogy, Mm-hmm. And really thought it was great. I enjoyed it, but that's that's where I stopped too. I started buying his books. You know, they'd come out, and I'd be, oh, I'll get that. But I've never gone back to him. I it's I haven't funny. read any anything else since. But it, it's not because I don't want to. I just just haven't done it. So yeah, I need to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean four, three, two, one is is big. So that would be jumping in the deep end. But I will say, I thought it was just brilliant. I really loved it was one of those concepts that could have been gimmicky or could have fallen flat, but he pulled it off in my opinion, very well. So if you decide to, and you're feeling like really going for it, that would be one potential place to start. But I know that he's one of those authors where I think everybody has favorites that kind of span across his bibliography. So I think he can appeal to different people in different ways for sure.
0: Well, I hope you love it when it comes out. Yeah, and me, uh, may, if you do, I may have to you know reintroduce myself to him. There you go. <laughs> exactly, Paul. We Paul Oster. We met the uh, fifteen years ago. You probably don't remember me. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? exactly. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Um, all right. My next one is one I've been looking forward to for some time. I do have an early copy of it. The art came, and I haven't started it yet because you know just haven't had the chance yet, but. I love um, the books I've read by Garrett Hoffman. Uh, This is the father of Michael Hoffman. You know, I brought up Lichtenberg and the little flower girl in our episode Mm -hmm. on New Directions with Mark Haber. Um, I've read a few of other books that I just kind of had to go out and find old used copies of. Um, But Our Philosopher, uh, which is being translated by Eric Mace Tesler, uh, though Michael Hoffman provides the introduction and seems from that that they, you know, kind of worked a little bit together. It seems like Eric uh, Mace Tesler asked him, hey, are you planning on on translating this? And, you know, Michael Hoffman said, no, go ahead. (laughs) And -hmm. that he was delighted by it. But this is being translated, or sorry, this is being published by uh, NYRB Classics on September 26th. And again, I just really love his books. This is, uh, they're, they're playful, but serious, and just always so interesting um and this is uh, going to be the october uh selection for the new NYRB Classics book club so if you're a subscriber you'll get a copy but uh here's what it says is germany late 1930s walking into town on a hot summer evening the elderly professor of philosophy erl er wilkenfeld <laughs> sorry no. everybody i don't know <laughs> encounters a group of local drunks he is humiliated and assaulted his hair is shorn the police don't interfere in such minor matters. What happens to Wilkenfeld is recounted by the young son of the doctor who attends the professor. The boy observes, listens to his parents' conversations, and asks for ice cream. He cannot know the true import of the events he witnesses. Uh, there's just something about this innocence and uh, tragedy that is in so many of his books, that I, again, the ones that I've read but very, very excited um, for this. says it is a solitary masterpiece about the destructive effects of persecution, not only for the victims, but for the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. So again, I need to just, uh, I need, as we often say, to just be able to sit down and do this with no other, you know, nothing else uh, pulling on time, but uh, that doesn't happen. It doesn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, NYRB Classics, tweeted out the other day, like a bunch of the proofs of stuff that they were working on, um, mm-hmm. and, and said something like, you know, plenty of good things ahead. And just looking at that list, I was thinking we could have done an entire episode just based on like what they're going to publish the rest of the year, as far as books we're looking forward to, their I know. lineup is super strong. And I, there's a couple on my list today that I will bring up or, you know, either in depth or briefly, cause yeah, they, they have so many good ones coming out as always. All right, what you got next? All right, well, you touched on this one briefly at the beginning, but I'm still going to mention it. Um, And it's A Little Luck by Claudia Pinheiro coming out July 11th. -hmm. So shortly after this episode is released by Charco Press. I mean, I've talked a lot about Elena Knows. It was one of my top 10 last Mm -hmm. year and it might have been my top five. I can't remember, but I absolutely loved that book. It was a finalist for the 2022 International Booker Prize. So when I saw that she had another one coming out, um, I was already thrilled. And then just hearing... The description makes me even more excited. Um, it says, 20 years after a shocking accident, Mary Lohan returns to the Buenos Aires suburb. She escaped in a fugue of guilt and isolation. She's not the same, not her name or voice, not even the color of her eyes. The neighborhood looks different too, but she's still the same woman and it's still the same place. And as the, two pas- as the past erupts into view, they slowly collide. A Little Luck is the story about the debilitating weight of lies, the messy line between bravery and cowardice, and the tragedies, big and small, that can ripple out from a single decisive event. So yeah, that just sounds amazing. Like I said, if I would have read anything that she came out with after How Much I Loved Elena Knows, but reading that description makes me really, really excited about it. So yeah, July 11th, that one we don't have to wait very long for.
0: No, that's, well, that that's exciting. And they they, they have another book that I, I've been reading that is is just coming out we should Maybe we can just tell listeners that for sure one of the publishers we'll be focusing on shortly will be Charcoal Press. I think they so. They publish so many great things. Um, I've been reading Fresh Dirt from the Grave by Giovanna Rivero, uh, translated by Isabel Adé. And mm. this is a collection of short stories. It's fantastic. And I mean, of course... The, the title, Fresh Dirt from the Grave is Oof. fantastic, <laughs> Yeah, it is. but I'll talk about it more. I'm not done with it yet, but um, yeah, they're publishing so many good books. They are. I they're one that's love them.
1: quickly joined that relatively small group of publishers where if I see a spine, whether I know anything about it or not at the bookstore, I'll just grab it. Yeah. Um, And not only that, but I'll say the times that I've interacted with them, they're absolutely wonderful, too. I think I told that story about how one of my initial book packages got lost somewhere in the Atlantic, I assume. Um, And they were just so wonderful the whole time, like worked with me and sent me replacements. And so wonderful people publishing absolutely wonderful books. It's a a great combination.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I'll give you my next one. Um, I don't know if in the poll the... There's any other references to Dante in Inferno and the, well the Divine Comedy, you know, mm. with the Polish pianist falling in love with a woman named Beatrice. Seems like there might be some connection there, yeah. But definitely a connection in uh, Jasmine Ward's forthcoming novel, Let Us Descend, uh, that is coming out uh, October 24th from Scribner, and it is definitely a a reference to Dante's Inferno, uh, which you know you can have it start and say, "Let us descend and enter this blind world." And I am very anxious to read this one. It, it sounds fascinating. It's a—I um, don't know how much of it is—is is this, but it, it says it's a reimagination of American slavery, uh, mm-hmm. as beautiful, beautifully rendered as it is heart-wrenching, and. I just think this is interesting. Searching, harrowing, replete with transcendent love. The novel is a journey from the rice fields of the Carolinas. <laughs> do they have rice fields in Carolina? Is that part of the reimagining? Am I, don't I know. do I not know about this uh, industry for rice in the Carolinas? Or is that, I, I don't know. Uh, to the slave markets of New Orleans and into the fearsome heart of a Louisiana sugar plantation. Um, Annis, sold south by the white enslaver who fathered her, is the reader's guide through this hellscape? There's more of Dante. Mm-hmm. As she struggles through the miles long march, Ennis turns inward, seeking comfort from memories of her mother and stories of her African warrior grandmother. Throughout, she opens herself to a world beyond this world, one teeming with spirits of earth and water, of myth and history, spirits who nurture and give, and those who manipulate and take. While Ward leads readers through the descent, This, her fourth novel, is ultimately a story of rebirth and reclamation. So I think this sounds fantastic. I can't, can't wait uh, for it to come out. You know, again, that's October, and uh, she's an important uh, contemporary um, Mm -hmm. author. And I, what, you know, anybody could write a book that kind of connects with Dante, and I'd be intrigued. But having her do it this way, I just think, again, this could be one of these. you know, not just a great novel of the year, but one of these, like, this is very important and uh, something to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, you said her fourth novel, and I think the other
1: three were all part of that trilogy, mm-hmm. or at least a loose trilogy. Um, and I've read The Salvage the Bones and Sing Unburied Sing, and both were amazing. I Need to Read Where the Line Bleeds, which is the third one. But yeah, she is. She's a wonderful author. And since we do appreciate books as objects, I will also say that looking at the cover of that one online, it looks absolutely beautiful too, mm-hmm. which never hurts. Never hurts. Never hurts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah I well, think a... I actually think all of the books I've chosen have really good covers. I am it not only never hurts; it it certainly gets me much. Oh, yeah. more, you know, <laughs> I know. No, I, I love, love paging it. through whether it's in print, one of the catalogs you get in the mail from
1: Archipelago or NYRB, and seeing the covers or scrolling online or whatever the case may be, but no, there's, there's no reason to discount that. That is a big part of the experience.
0: Yeah. Looking at the rest of my list here too. Definitely one of the things that first like what's that book was, yeah. you know, this great oh, covers for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, what a-
1: that's a good segue to the next one. Cause I am looking at the cover now. Um, and it's an NYRB classics coming out November mm-hmm. 7th. Sheven I believe mm-hmm. is how you pronounce it by Andre Platonov. Um, he is one where I will admit I have the foundation pit and have had it for some time. I have not read anything by him yet, but every time I read a description of his work, it makes me question why I haven't read one yet. And <laughs> this one in particular, you'll you'll like the first little start of the description. It says, a sort of Soviet Don Quixote. So right there, I'm just like, I thought you were going
0: to say a sort of Soviet Inferno. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. We're going to another well-known one, though, in a favorite of ours. (laughs) So a
1: sort of Soviet Don Quixote, this novel about a craftsman who wanders around the USSR hoping to ease human misery with his inventions is considered one of the most important novels of the Soviet era and is now available in its full version in English for the first time. Shevengur is a philosophical novel that is also rich in psychological, social, and sensu- sensuous detail. Although it was never publishable in the USSR, it now stands as one of the most celebrated of Soviet novels, and along with the foundation pit, it is the most ambitious and moving of Platonov's efforts to take the measure of a world undergoing revolutionary transformation. The, tol- the full text is here translated into English for the first time by Robert and Elizabeth Chandler, whose versions of Platonov and Vasily Grossman have made these towering masters of modern literature accessible to readers of English. So, Oh, I mean, that just sounds amazing. Like I said, he's an author that's intrigued me for a long time, not only for the subject matter, but just anytime something is described as one of the most important novels, you know, of the mm-hmm. Soviet era, for example, that calls to me. And the fact that this is the first time that it's been, you know, published in its full version in English is also very intriguing to me. So, Mix that in with a little Don Quixote comparison, and I am sold.
0: Yeah, yeah, that one's one that was really close to making my list, uh, mm-hmm. but I did. I'll, I'll change my my uh, order around just a little bit here to go with another NYRB classic for me. I thought I I, I can't make this just an NYRB Classics episode, right? But. We, with combined, we can we can do hmm. do more. <laughs> yeah, it's not our fault they put out so many great books. Right. What are we supposed to do? But the <laughs> the, the other one that I chose beyond our philosopher is uh, one that I don't know anything about, but just looks so intriguing. First off, great cover. Um, second off, it just sounds great. This is Lisa Tuttle's "My Death," hmm. coming out on October tenth, and it just. Again, I don't know anything about Lisa Tuttle. They they say in their um write-up that she her first novel Windhaven was co-written with George R. R. Martin. And it oh, wow. sounds like she has been a fantasy, science fiction, uh horror, adult um and YA novels, lots of uh award-winning short stories. Um it's just there, there seems to be a lot and I don't know anything about her. Weirdly. I don't either. Know. But this is my death. It is a novella, it looks like. Uh, it, It comes in at 144 pages. It says, The narrator of Lisa Tuttle's uncanny novella is a recent widow, a writer adrift. Not only has she lost her husband, but her muse seems to have deserted her altogether. Her agent summons her to Edinburgh to discuss her next book. What will she tell him? At once the answer comes to her, she will write the biography of Helen Ralston, best known, if at all, as the subject of W.E. Logan's much-reproduced painting, Searsing, and the inspiration for his classic children's book. But Ralston was a novelist and an artist in her own right, though her writing is no longer in print and her most storied painting too shocking, too powerful, malevolent even, to be shown in public. Over the months that follow Ralston proves a reluctantly cooperative subject even as her biographer uncovers eerie resonances between the older woman's life and her own whose biography is she writing really wow <laughs> now i good. don't know if this is going to turn out to be a horror novel you know they, like i say they're they're talking about her as a horror writer at times comes out in october sounds fun but i don't know if it's a if it's a scary kind of horror book or if it's more, you know, not, I don't know. Well, but yeah. I'm excited to find out.
1: <laughs> Very cool. Well, I will shift my order a little bit to, to carry on the theme of of horror because this one I know mm-hmm. is because it says it right away. And this is also an author that I've read before. Monica Ojeda has oh, a new book this, coming yeah. out October 24th from Coffee House called Nafondo. And yeah it doesn't pull any punches a techno horror portrait of the fears and desires of six young artists whose lives are upended by a controversial video game it says six young artists share an apartment in barcelona Um, all of them are connected in different ways to nefondo a controversial cult video game whose purpose remains a mystery in the parallel reality of the game players found relief from the pain of past trauma and present shame but also a frighteningly elastic sense of self and ethics Is Nafondo a game for horror enthusiasts, a challenge to players' morals, or a poetic exercise? What happens in a virtual world that admits every taboo? So having read Jawbone from her, I can only imagine based on that description. I mean, she has that same feeling that we've talked about where she does not flinch away from tough subjects, dark subjects, subjects that make you squirm, you know, pain, trauma, sex, all these different things. So... That one is very intriguing to me based on, I, I will not say that I loved Jawbone, but I thought that it, I liked enough of it and I was intrigued enough by it that I'm very curious to find out where she goes. So I don't know. It's one that I'm a little, <laughs> um, not wary, that's not the right word, but I'm, I'm intrigued, but also like, I don't know what I'll make of it, but it sounds
0: like it's absolutely worth exploring. Oh, yes, for sure. Have you talked to Mark Haber about it at all yet? A little bit, yeah he makes it sound like one you you want to read discreetly you know like not don't don't read it out loud to your kids right <laughs> i kind of assumed that um, might be the case on that one but also oh, there it check is. it out Ooh. i got a i've got an arc and yeah this cover is creepy but looks so fun it kind of has that horror video game vibe mm-hmm. with a, a, you know kind of the interior of an eyeball and yeah. then the these squares coming out of it i mean it, it this this one I'm very excited about as well. I am too. Does it say? I think we. I don't know if we've been um, missing
1: a few of the translators. Is that one translated by Sarah, Sarah
0: Booker? Sarah Booker. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that. I don't know if I mentioned on. Um, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss any of the other translators that we've been talking about today. A I've little been paying luck.
0: attention. So yeah, I a little luck. Did we did. mention the translator? Maybe not. Maybe better just in case. But yeah. I think you did. But we'll know when we re-listen to it. Exactly.
1: Um, <laughs> that one—a little luck, just in case. I would rather err on the side of caution. Is translated by Francis
0: Riddle. Yeah.
1: So I just want to make sure we give credit to all those translators out there who are doing
0: amazing work. Yeah, amazing work. I can't. I mean, they're keeping us just. Uh, you know, we, we have we love a lot of English language books, but my goodness, oh, there man. are so many of these. Exactly. So, all right, I'll delete that one from my list. It was the, it was the eighth one I did. I did. I knew I had an eighth one. I, when I, oh, okay. when I looked at it, it's cause I had pulled up the webpage for it. So I'll delete that. Thanks for covering that one, Paul. Of course. I figured that might happen a couple times. Well, <laughs> Maybe it'll happen with the next one too. Yeah. I have another new directions book. Um, this is the annual banquet of the grave diggers guild by Matthias N.R., Uh, translated by Frank Wynne. On your list? It was on my list, but it was one that I,
1: again, thought there was a chance you would cover, so it was on my kind of
0: backup (laughs) list, just in case. There you go, there you go. I'm glad you mentioned it. (laughs) I'm so excited for this one. I've loved his books. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're just so, they're they're so, I mean, I guess let's put this. They say, brimming with Matthias Henaar's characteristic wit and encyclopedic brilliance. Perfectly Perfect. put. They yeah. are so fun because of the sense of wonder and exploration and curiosity, but at the same time, so readable and um, exciting, just based on the the writing alone. And mm-hmm. so I I cannot wait. I'm just so excited for for this book. Um, I'll read I'll read the the little blurb. That's what we got going right now. It says to research his thesis on contemporary agrarian life. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> What a hook, right? I know, exactly. (laughs) You had me at agrarian life. (laughs) Anthropology student David Maison uh, moves from Paris to La La Pierre-Saint-Christophe, a village in the marshlands of Western France. Determined to understand the essence of the local culture, the intrepid young scholar scurries around restlessly on his moped to interview residents. But what David doesn't know yet is that here, in this seemingly ordinary place, once the stage for wars and revolutions, death leads a dance. When one thing perishes, the wheel of life recycles its soul and hurls it back into the world as, a, as microbe, human, or wild animal, sometimes in the past, sometimes in the future. And once a year, death and the living observe a temporary truce during a gargantuan three-day feast where gravediggers gorge themselves on food, drink, and language. Wow! What <laughs> I know, <laughs> but yes, very yes. Bring it on! <laughs> oh yeah. Do you happen to have the paper in front of you? Is that one of his? Oh, more uh, stoppers. Let me look and see. Um, okay. While I'm looking that up, what what are you? You know, what did you think when you first realized kind of what this one is is about? Kind of your reaction? What? Like, I
1: mean, it's one of those where, like you said, anytime you hear an author like him coming out with a new book automatically you're sold, but then to hear them going, like we talk about how often I love when an uh, author just swings for the fences and seemingly tries something that is just like bonkers and having somebody like him who you trust and know can pull it off. And then reading a description like that. Yeah. I challenge anyone not to to be excited (laughs) to try that so much fun.
0: All right. So, the page count that I'm seeing is 432. So okay. not one of his uh, little ones you can just fold up and put in your pocket.
1: No, no. but I like that, especially with a premise like that. I, I would like to spend some time in
0: that world. Is this one... Is it in hardcover? Because they, they have been producing some of the most beautiful... I mean, this is New Directions. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I said that. Um, it does say paperback. I mean, I love their paperbacks too. They're usually... They usually do some fun things with the cover beyond just an image, Um, but their some of their hardbacks, um, especially the one for Compass for ANR, is so beautiful. I was kind of hoping this one might line up with it or something, but I'm good either way. I'm good. Yeah, like you said, even
1: their not even their paperbacks are also gorgeous. So, yeah, that does sound like a really good one. Well, I will move. I will move over to another one of our favorite publishers archipelago they mm. have uh august 1st coming out the end by attila bardis mm. this is an author i don't know anything about but just the description alone was very intriguing to me um it says a serpentine maze of memory and artistic obsession in post-war communist hungary told in bold experimental style and perfect for fans of helen dewitt i mean geez mm-hmm. <laughs> what else do you need right Um, So that one is translated from the Hungarian by Judith Solosi, I believe is how you say her name. Um, So yeah, a lot of things going for it there, you know, memory, artistic obsession, hungry. I feel like hungry, Hungarian novels. So many of them are just so amazing. And then bold experimental style and Helen DeWitt. I mean, it's ticking all kinds of boxes for me there. So again, (laughs) like you said, all we kind of have right now is the descriptions to go off. of. So I'll read a little bit. It says nothing approximates death as closely as photography. Unspooling like a roll of film, the end captures in frames of language the faces and places of Andras's memory, which together form a fever dream collage of an artist's psyche. In a small town in communist Hungary, Andras Sabad's childhood comes to an abrupt end with his father's return from prison and the death of his loving mother. In search of new beginnings, Andras moves with his father to Budapest, where he discovers a passion for, for photography, for uncovering the invisible through the visible, and for fixing matter and memory so as to ward them against the inevitability of time. So to me, I'm just like, oh, one like one of these where, whether you know the author or not, A, we trust the publisher, and then B, you start reading the description, and it's just like, wow, this sounds like it was made for me. So that one sounds great. Again, it comes out August, I said August 1st, but on their website, I'm showing it, it says August 8th, so
0: early okay. August, we'll say. So Attila Bartis, uh, his book *Tranquility* was the first book to win the best translated book award, I believe. Oh, okay. That came back in that came out in September of twenty o eight, and I read it back then. Really liked it, so I am also looking forward to the end. But yeah, it's been a while since we've gotten something. Fifteen years. Yeah, that's wow. That's crazy. Okay, *Tranquility*
1: okay. is one that I I have a good chunk of their back catalog you know i uh-huh. own a good chunk of the back catalog but i gotta say that's one that actually was not on my radar so as we always say it's amazing how you can spend so much time <laughs> in this world and still there's like oh yeah he won major awards and he's you know it's not like he's some fly-by-night guy that nobody's heard of and yet somehow he's <laughs> just now on my radar but sounds wonderful
0: you know you'll probably get to it and realize oh i read this already you know yeah just probably you're- <laughs> seriously i would not be surprised all right. Well, I am actually on my final one. How many more do you have? I was looking. I mean, I don't really think I have any other ones.
1: There's one more I can touch on. That's a re-release, but yeah, I'm good. We can and then we can do a little quick buzz through
0: of just you know some honorable mentions if you want to. I, yeah. So let me let me pull up my last one then. This is okay. Terrace Story by Hillary Hillary Leichter. It comes out August 29th um, from Echo um dorian has definitely been a a, a promoter of her work and mm. of her novel temporary uh which i have but have not read yet i i, I haven't I, I i didn't really know about it until Terra's story was being announced people were excited about it and then i thought oh i guess i need to read temporary uh but this one also sounds really interesting um have you read temporary do you know anything about her work? no i don't i i have not i'm not familiar So it says, Annie, Edward, and their young daughter, Rose, live in a cramped apartment. One night, without warning, they find a beautiful terrace hidden in their closet. It wasn't Mm. there before, and it seems to only appear when their friend Stephanie visits. A city dweller's dream come true, but every extra bit of space has a hidden cost, and the terrace sets off a seismic chain of events, forever changing the shape of their tiny home and the shape of their world. So, I mean, there's more to the blurb, but, you know, I think this one sounds interesting especially this question uh, what do we do with the emotions that seem to stretch beyond the body beyond the boundaries of life and death mm. this just sounds uh, very intriguing and again I need to read temporary uh, but yeah definitely an author to be on the lookout for and to get to know uh, you know Dorian doesn't steer us wrong usually so nope. uh, <laughs> he doesn't I think we're in safe hands going for that one. No, that does sound really good. Like All it. right. Any others that you just kind of wanted to go, go mention Then I, I, well, here's what I did. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have any honorable mentions. I deleted them because I knew I could okay. just sit here forever, but you can go ahead and exactly. list any that you want to kind of, uh, well, I'll just
1: bring up. Yeah. I'll, I'll briefly mention, we've talked a lot about Dalkey Archive and how they've started bringing back some old favorites through their Essentials series. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those, it's technically not a new release, but it is being re-released and it's Wittgenstein's Mistress by David Markson. Mm-hmm. And that's coming out July 11th. And that's just one of those that I've heard so many people bring up over and over and over again. And I've always wanted to pick it up and just haven't done it. And so the fact that they're re-releasing it in that cool new series with those really distinctive covers is making me think that I'm going to grab that one. So, um, you know, I won't go into <laughs> details about that one. I think a lot of people probably know about it, but I would just, just going to mention it as an honorable mention yeah. since it's a re-release, you know, it, it technically counts.
0: Um, have you, well, have you while, while you're here, on there, read, yeah, I I have read some of his, his stuff, David Markson's uh, stuff, but I've not read that one. And I don't, I haven't read enough of it to, to, oh. to know one way or the other on a lot mm-hmm. of them. But yeah, but on that note, uh, th- I did have a final question. Is Dalkey Archive going to publish Miss Macintosh, My Darling, by Marguerite Young, the second half of 2023? <laughs> I know. If if I thought that it was going to happen, it would have been very high, if
1: not at the top of my list. Uh-huh. I don't have any insider information that anyone else probably doesn't have. But my guess is we would be lucky to get it later this year. I'm thinking it'll be a 2024
0: that's my thought too. Out. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought it'd be fun to end, like, to talk about at the end here. And you may have other books you can bring up. I just, when you brought up the Dalkey Essentials, I thought, well, throw this in right here. Mm-hmm. It is slated, and I know this has changed in the past, but it is slated on the Dalkey w- uh, website for October. Mm. That seems I mean, pretty it must- soon, though. To I know they've been working on uh, the editing and the proofs and such. Maybe Paul, I mean, they're not like working on edits of the book, you know, they're not editing for rewrites or anything like that. So if they're editing actual proof pages, then it still seems pretty soon to have a, you know, proofs edited and then have, you know, books published and out, but it's possible.
1: It is possible. I'm holding out hope. I've been holding out hope for years now, so there's no reason why I should (laughs) give up hope now, but... I've also been hurt before, so I'm going to like keep a little bit of a callous. You're there okay. And just...
0: You're okay. If it doesn't just tell yeah. yourself that it's okay. Exactly. It'll be worth it when it happens. Exactly. I mean, if I don't have anything else to read in the
1: meantime. <laughs> so that's the main reason, right. I'm worried, you know, <laughs> no, it's just one of those where it's just taken on this mythic status, you know, for me and many others and many people who yeah. read it talk so highly of it. It's like this, this unicorn, you know, <laughs> when is it going to come Here's every time I'm, I'm worried a... about though? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, every time I'm at a used bookstore, I just hold out the slightest hope that like you'll just find it in the wild. I know that it's very <laughs> unlikely, but to know it's coming out
0: soon is very exciting. But what were you going to say? The the fear? Here's what we need to watch out for. Getting it and being satisfied with simply possessing it. I know. And not actually reading it at the, You know, soon. I'm worried that I will do that, that it'll come and I'll be like, oh, yes, here it is. And then because it's big, it's not mm-hmm. a little book. No. I will say, I can't wait to get to it. And then, you know, without any real will on my part, it's, you know, seven years later. Yes. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I'm a little worried about that. Well,
1: I am too. And it's happened many times. I've mentioned books like <laughs> Ken and others where I rush out and get them the day they come out. And years later, I still have still not read them. So that's definitely possible. <laughs> but I would like to think this one is a special case where I will immediately just dive in. We shall see.
0: We, we shall see, we, we shall encourage, we shall do what we can, but ultimately we shall see. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well that, if you want to find, and I don't know what the easiest way to do this is, but listeners who want to see what so many people wrote in to Mm. say are their most anticipated of the year. I I did uh, tweet out um, just asking that and you should be able to find it and, and read the kind of a thread on that. I don't yeah. think people are still responding to it. Uh, so what you yeah. get there should be relatively you know, complete. But there are so many, so many books I hadn't heard of, others that I had but didn't really look into until then. Mm-hmm. It just looks uh, so promising and I'm excited for the, for the whole thing. Yeah,
1: I'm too I'm looking at that thread right now. It's from June twenty first, if anybody wants to track it down. And okay. not only are there tons of comments with all kinds of books that we mentioned and many that we didn't, but there's also people who did a lot of quote tweets, you know, based on yours and listed things. So there's a wealth of books there to dig into. I'll save Trevor's fingers from the show notes <laughs> by reading them all. But just refer you to doing. that and you should definitely spend some time as I've been doing jotting down the ones that sound good to you there's a whole treasure trove there
0: all right well we'll see you on the other side of the you know the the halfway point of the year listeners um it's the end of june now uh we'll see you in july we'll be back in july with a new episode And then again, just as a reminder, at the end of July, our summer book club episode will come out. And so don't forget the giveaway opportunity that we Mm -hmm. talked about at the top of the hour. Just because we mentioned so many great books (laughs) in the meantime, uh, don't now uh, slough off and forget to to enter that if you're interested in winning a copy of The Dry Heart by Natalia Ginsberg. And Paul, I am looking forward to the second half of the year beyond the reading, but just sitting down and talking about reading and books with you, we don't know... We don't know all of the uh, the books that we're or the the topics that we're going to go over. Um, we're trying to get some of those kind of finalized, and uh, mm-hmm. so that we can put out a, a you know a rough schedule. But I do know it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, even the ones that we already have slated,
1: I'm excited about, and we always seem to find lots of great topics to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to it too. It's
0: going to be great. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you
1: soon. See everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can follow Trevor at mooks and Paul at biblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a Patreon at patreon.com slash mooks. Until next time.